games, television, television, and movies. In a world where the media has been dominated by superheroes and sci-fi, these barely Irish ass must band together to make sense of it all. It's not news. It's utterly nonsense. time this releases, it's midnight, October 31st. You know what that means? It's Utterly Nonsense Halloween Special again. But no Venom. But no Venom. To be clear, you said midnight, October 31st. Do you mean the midnight of Halloween or the midnight after? Because it would kind of suck if this was... Yeah, is this mischief night or is this... No, I'm publishing it on... Midnight when it turns the 31st. Okay. All right, so Sunday night. Yes. Yes. Saturday morning. Or, no, Friday. I'm getting my days. How does your week work? (laughs) How does your week work? I've not had a conception of time since COVID started, okay? Seriously, if I didn't have an office to go to on a regular basis, I would not know what day of the week it is. (laughs) Anyway. So, we talking nonsense? Yes. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Utterly Nonsense Podcast. Uh, I don't know how much of that John's leaving in, but uh, I I don't even know how long we've been doing this, but this is our Halloween special nth edition. Nth? Nth, meaning variable, because I don't know which, how many of these we've done. I'm assuming it's It's like like year five, five, right? I'll tell you, and this is what's scary. This is the sixth time. Sixth. Sixth. And yet, there's no Steve 3 yet. Yeah, still no Steve 3. Gotta make it come together. The first time we were in studio, me, CJ, Drew, and then the second time it was mm. just me and Mike, the third time it was just me and you, I think. Me and you, or I, I can't tell where you're pointing. I know we're all on camera, but no one in our audience can tell Me us, and so. CJ. <laughs> okay. Right, that's when we did the um, like the, the one where we talked about the what movies scare you or what were the best horror movies or what makes horror. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what do we do after that? I think we just did something just... where we randomly talked about something. And then five last year, me and Mike talking about Halloween and Venom for the second time. And now all three of us are here, but there's no Venom. But there is a Halloween. Wasn't Jack involved in one of them? Or Eric? Probably one of the early ones. I don't think we ever had Eric on for a Halloween no, I edition. I, I mean, Eric and I did a bunch of low-res horror films between just inexplicably seeing them. Like, oh, wait, um, sorry. The three of you do Thanksgiving. That's right. That's Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we yeah. did do that. Um, but um, You and yeah, Eric I mean, talked about us. We did talk about us. And we were talking about that off screen before we started recording here. Um, yeah. And then we talked about Get Out a couple of years ago. We did. And this time we're talking about Nope. What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? So I will say, um, just to lead into this discussion, um, Get Out, I still think, is one of the best horror movies of the 2010s. Strongly recommend it. (laughs) Extremely Mm -hmm. well written. uh, Extremely well directed. Like, honestly, one of the best directorial debuts of all time. (laughs) Go see uh, Get Out if you haven't already. Definitely worth a watch. Us isn't an outwardly bad movie. Like, no one expected Jordan Peele to top Get Out with that, uh, you know, second release a few years later. That being said, you know, we did a low-res review on it, me and Eric, when it came out. It's, again, well-written. I think it's a good movie. Uh, But, you know, it's a step down for sure. And again, if you didn't see our review on that, I basically spoiled the ending for Eric like 20 minutes into the thing that just... You know, I, I saw the twist coming pretty early on, and I think a lot of people did too, which is like my one big gripe about it. Um, that being said, Nope is sort of a continuing on this downward trend we're seeing from Jordan Beale. It's, again, not a bad movie. I think it's well acted. 
But, you know, there's not much there. It's like considering how high of a bar he set two movies ago, it's you got to wonder where he's going with this. I was about to say, what did you think of Nope? Um, You know, without getting into any story or plot details, but I guess, yeah, that basically does it. So having only seen Get Out, yeah, I can't say it doesn't top it. It was a bit odd of a film, just the way the characters kind of are, because like it starts out, the main character, he's kind of quiet the whole time. And then you have, uh, uh, what's her name? Who was the the sister? Kiki Palmer. Yeah, Kiki Palmer, who's just like motor mouth the whole time. So it's like it kind of has the uh, the humor moments in it, but right. all the humor or all the humor scenes were just like, a character that just keeps talking and talking about something like it was her and then there was the the guy who was in the store you know like the store right. clerk and then it was the TMZ guy and they're just like I'm like this is supposed to be funny but it's kind of being played straight in like a serious situation so that didn't yeah, quite it, work for me and then you had some like mystery elements to it that don't they're not really elaborated on they're kind of abstract right, 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 and you right, have right. to like make these different connections like, it, it makes you think one thing, but then it's not really that thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... The humor really doesn't land for me, which... And, and you know, I made a comment last night. I think Keegan-Michael Key was probably responsible for a lot of the writing on Key and Peele. Just, you, you see the humor that Jordan Peele sort of sprinkles throughout these movies. Like, he knows how to tell a joke. He knows how to act. But for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to understand how to carry it out in the same way that it did earlier on in his career. And I don't know if that's by design, like him trying to focus more on the uh, dramatic elements and the humor is supposed to take a backseat. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's just weird that this is a guy who's known for being a comedian first, trying to sprinkle in these jokes that don't really land. Yeah. Well, it's also the way they're set up because usually humor like relieves tension and there's like a break in the tense moment. But here it's like, there isn't a break. It's like it just no, it's the scene just, just yeah. keeps going as there's the attempt at humor in it, so it's kind of odd. You guys want to know something uh, kind of stupid of me? Mm-hmm. Nope. I- <laughs> <laughs> Key and Peele, I thought were Keenan and Cal for the longest time, uh, like from Nickelodeon. No. Well, you I just thought got they were the same. Canceled, Mike. <laughs> no. I- <laughs> <laughs> um. We, yeah, I, I don't know how you make that mistake, honestly. I never saw them, so I saw Jordan Peele. I was like, oh, that's Keenan, right? <laughs> no, that's the other guy, right? It's the other black guy. I guess guy. you didn't watch SNL at the same time either, huh? Who watches SNL? Keenan Thompson's on his, I think, 24th season or 25th season. He's by far the longest tenured cast member in SNL history. So Then he quit? No, still going strong. Or no, wait, sorry, it was it's his twentieth year this year because he started in two thousand three. But um, yeah, and then he went on record and said, "Yeah, they should probably just end it." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I, I don't know if you've watched SNL in the past few seasons, but it's <laughs> it's in need of a renaissance, and they've like thrown away a lot of good cast members from the uh, previous season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, not to say like what I did see of this current season is fine but yeah i mean you consider how good the show used to be specifically in the 90s and the early 2000s and this is just you know i don't see it going back to that at any point oh no in fact in in nope they actually mention the best era of snl the 90s they oh, mentioned cast they members do. and they talk about i guess what was a fictionalized skit that they didn't no no, no. they talk about a skit I, i'm pretty sure they were referring to mr peepers they talk about a fictionalized sketch in the actual movie, which is based off of this whole Gordy's Home massacre, right? This monk. So, Mike, it's not really a spoiler. This is within the first two minutes of the movie. Like, I watched the end of the movie. Nothing okay. can spoil shit to me. All right. Yeah. So basically, a monkey mulls an entire cast full of people. Like, it just goes nuts and starts attacking people. And SNL apparently did a sketch based on that where uh, Chris Kattan and his Mr. Peepers character, except is not Mr. Peepers in this universe. Um, he's Gordy, just goes crazy and starts attacking people. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, but yeah, it's a play on like the whole early 90s cast and they mentioned Chris Kattan and a bunch, they name drop a few other SNL cast members from that time frame, like Sherry O'Terry, Anna Gasteyer. Uh, and yeah. in the first episode of that rebooted Twilight Zone that already finished and everybody forgot about it, they had Tracy Morgan. Remember that? Mm. Yes. Yeah, he was the comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the comic. 
Yeah, did they end that completely or did it go on for another season and I just didn't pay attention to it? Yeah, there was a second season and then that was it. Okay, (laughs) that's a shame. So anyway, um, well, I will say despite its flaws and kind of the oddness to it, I would say Nope is worth watching still. Maybe just once. Well, I, I will say it's not a bad movie. I did enjoy watching it. I enjoyed the ride. I like the concept. That's my favorite part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels more like a Western than anything else, right? It's like these guys in the wild west, or in, these guys in the modern day West trying to, like, you know, essentially stop this monster that's terrorizing the town, right? Yeah. Um, on paper, it sounds a lot more like a Western than a sci-fi or a horror movie, but it's all of those things. And, you know, to some extent, I do respect him for trying to merge these genres and to try to tell a compelling narrative while using a bunch of these tropes. But at the same time, it sort of falls apart when you uh, throw those aspects together. At the same time, there's also this kind of um, like Hollywood culture undertones to it. And I'm not this smart. I will admit I watched a review where uh, this was pointed out. So credit to that review that I saw. There's undertones of like how there's parallels to the like the Hollywood culture right like they own a ranch where they uh, train horses for film productions and then the whole plot of the movie is they're trying to get picture or video of this this thing this unidentified aerial phenomenon so they could get famous off of it and so yeah no I I picked up on that a little bit last night where it's like the whole thing was them trying to break into Hollywood and try to you know her whole obvious dream was to become famous and be an actress and a dancer and whatever like you you get that from her literally in her first appearance on screen she's trying to make a presence for herself yeah and then you have the other character from the the Gordy show yes uh, Steven Yeun and it's like you know child star and so like I, I guess this is kind of a spoiler but I won't say exactly what it is, but it's more or less a metaphor for how the whole, I guess, the show business thing kind of, it it like literally chews you up and spits you out for everything Mm. you're worth. Like all that's left of you is the things you left behind rather than your actual self. That's actually a pretty smart analogy. (laughs) Did you actually think of that or did you? No, (laughs) I did not think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Because the whole time we were trying to make a connection with the sci-fi aspect of it because, you know, comic book sci-fi, that's that's what we think of. And but it was like never really there. Yeah, I mean, my mind immediately jumps toward the worlds. So I'm not going to get really deep into spoilers yet. I, I will say when I saw the trailer initially, I think it's really clear that they wanted you to think it's going to be an alien movie. It's going to be about uh, these guys essentially getting abducted by or studied by aliens and having to fight them off or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, and look, for the most part, it is that to some extent, you know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the nitty gritty details that would get into spoiler territory, but for the most part, it is what you'd expect from the trailer, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we said our piece as much as we could without talking about the story. So spoilers. So spoilers. <laughs> now, I just want to get straight into the, uh, the well, first of sure. all, I'll start from the beginning. Keith David. Ooh, Keith David. Where do I know him Incredibly from? Incredibly underused. Incredibly yeah. underused in this movie. I know him mainly. Maybe this is shame to me because I don't really know what else he's been in, but I know him as the voice of the Arbiter in Halo. Mm. I play it every week with my friend because they have like these weekly like challenges you can go through. You play through the campaign missions and do this and that. So I've heard his voice so much. It's a great voice. And like the moment he starts talking in this, I'm like, oh, I wait, I know yeah, who that is. Voice I know who that he's is. got like <laughs> the most recognizable voice. Even if you don't know who the man is, even if you've never seen his face, you've heard his voice probably a million times, right? Um, what I know him most for, probably in the last season of Community, he plays a uh, main role. Uh, he plays Elroy, who's this like sort of old man computer scientist who designed this interactive software that uh, the dean is obsessed with. Um, mm-hmm. And he's also the president in uh, Rick and Morty, which is probably what he's most known for, like in current people's minds, you know, like mm-hmm. um, recurring role, but very prominently features his voice great in that role great in every role he's in this for five minutes not even yeah <laughs> like it, it's actually probably off. more like what 120 <laughs> seconds plus a couple flashbacks and yeah. his corpse on the table <laughs> very short flashbacks yeah one of them wasn't even Criminal it was like a hallucination yeah that, uh, i didn't like that i'm like oh good it's, it's this guy and then something falls from the sky and then he's gone 
Yeah, I will say, um, I was thinking at first, like, oh, maybe um, there are aliens that have a different perception of time than we do. And for them, like, a full abduction only takes, like, a millisecond. And maybe they abducted mm. him and threw something in his eye or probed him or something. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's not what happened. It's uh, Yeah, no, I don't know if you noticed, like, like right when that scene where the thing happens to him starts. But there's, like, it sounded like the sound of ballistic objects hitting the ground kind of like um i don't know if you've ever seen uh they probably had this in some war movies but i've seen like some video of actual like battlefields and mm. like say something is in the sky shooting down you'll hear of yeah. course the bullets hitting the ground first before you ever hear the plane or like the gun going off so that's what it was like sure. it was like you just heard the sound of something hitting the ground and it was like and then you look at him and then he just falls over and it's like oh yeah, oh, no, I figured on. he had a stroke or a heart attack or something because he just falls off the horse without explanation. But then you see, like, you know, his corpse. Yeah, um, this is just yeah. a coin lands in his head. <laughs> yeah, which, again, I, you know, I made the point while we were watching that last night. I don't think a fall from that distance would actually kill you necessarily, right? Because, like, you, you know, they tested this on Mythbusters, throwing pennies off the Empire State Building. And, yeah, no, it wouldn't actually. It, like, I don't think you'd have enough velocity to have it... Uh, have enough uh, of an nah. impact to actually penetrate skin. And at first I thought, okay, maybe they were shot out of something. But then as we see later, it doesn't yeah, shoot no, anything out. It just lets things Really out. just gravity, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was bullshit. <laughs> no, I, first I think that bullshit. was sort of, yeah. <laughs> Which granted, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physicist. I might be completely wrong about that. But just from what I know about gravity, I don't think that should have hit his head the way it did, you know. Um. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it, at the very least, it would hurt, but... Also, yeah, yeah was he looking up when that happened? Because... I think he was, yeah. Okay, maybe, Or he okay, was just... Whatever. He was on the horse, anyway. He was, yeah. I, I figured it would have hit him from, like, the top of his head, though, right? Like, not straight through the eye. Yeah. Well, anyway, that sets up the mystery, and I thought that was okay. It's like, oh, wow. No, yeah, I was intrigued by that. As soon as you see, like, the nickel or... Um, yeah, they do show it's a nickel. Like, you do wonder where that came from. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so. an oddity. And there's another thing that's odd. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but um, so you have this other character who's set up as kind of like, I guess, a catalyst for why this thing is sticking around. Mm. Um, when they show the uh, flashback scene of him on the set after the uh, the, mo the monkey, or was it a chimpanzee? Yeah, chimp. When the chimpanzee goes ape shit, <laughs> literally, mm. um, he sees something in the distance and it's the shoe it's somebody's shoe and it's just like sitting on the ground, but it's standing up kind of like if you were to stand up an egg, you know, the way that you wouldn't expect it to just stay there. It's like, oh, that's weird. I wonder if that's that's a mystery or something like is something going on in this studio right here? Like is the the UFO thing hovering above them and causing something strange to happen? But it's not. It's just an Whoa. oddity that existed for a specific reason, which again, I didn't catch a hold of, but. Okay, so what is the actual reason that uh, you're he hearing for that? Because I, I assumed, like, this creature that they're going after is, like, he has, it has something to do with electricity and electromagnetism. It seems to have a field around it that controls that sort of thing. So would that actually cause, like, the metal sole or something to cause it to stand up? Or No, it was just a regular shoe. So okay. here's what that was. It's all it is is setting up a point of motivation for that character. You know, the kid who survived. It's that... Well, yeah, but what's the actual reason in the film? So, they explain, and I, I guess we should address this first, because this was also my favorite part of the whole film and, like, the whole concept of it. Mm. So, it's the, the UFO thing, the UAP. It's not a, a ship. It's not a craft, because typically when we think of these things, and they, and they mentioned it, they mentioned ancient aliens. Like, you know, when Key, Key Palmer has that line when they're buying the cameras and the guy mentions, uh, you trying to film UFOs or something? And she's like... Pfft. Like anybody believes in that. And, um, and I thought, yeah, like only everybody believes in that. Look at ancient aliens. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, they, they mentioned that right after. I thought that, thought that was funny. Mm. So what it is, 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 you know, it's like a living creature in the shape of a disc. And like what you normally think of the tractor beam that sucks people up. It's actually like, you know, like Kirby, the little pink puffball <sighs> when it inhales things. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. If I had an M&M right here and it would fly into my mouth, right? It makes sense that you'd have that from a much larger object would be able to essentially take a much wider breath, right? Yeah. 
it's just like a giant opening and it, it almost looks like Kirby if, if you look at it like just from the bottom because it's a circle with just a large open mouth you can almost see people like if they saw it in the distance they would think that's like oh that's a dust storm or a tornado that goes away quickly because it hides in a cloud a cloud that never moves I thought that was pretty clever that, that was neat so what it is it's 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 like this predatorial creature where for some reason if you look it in the eye that's what makes it chase you but if you don't then it kind of leaves you alone so on the set when that incident happened with the the chimp the kid was focused on looking at the shoe and not into the chimp's eyes so it didn't attack him hmm. and that's all that was he survived because he was distracted by an anomaly and he wasn't looking in the predator's eyes Oh, so they were basically saying the monkey's a predator in that scene, not that it's... Okay. Um, yeah. So, do they ever explain why the monkeys and the horses and whatever, like, are actually going crazy? Because, uh, you know, again, the theory that I had up until you find out exactly what this thing is, is that um, they were abducted and experimented on, and the, like, shine or something reminds them of being probed. Which, again, maybe that's just a misdirect, but then it doesn't really explain why they react the way they do. Um, I think... It might have been, at least with the, the, the monkey is never explained, but right. with the horses, I think it's since they're always outside on the range or whatever, they know the thing exists and they know not to look at it. So whenever you show something to them that reminds them of it, they get spooked. Freaked out. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes a little more sense, but then the monkey is just uh, weird. Just, yeah. It's just a yeah, strange I, thing. I don't, <laughs> it seems like he'd have some way of explaining that away or some way other than just, oh, the monkey went crazy and attacked them because that yeah. seems less likely. You see, it's almost like a misdirect because we're trying to make connections with that. Well, to I think the... it's definitely a misdirect. I'm just saying yeah. there should be some explanation for it beyond, oh, hey, I did this for plot reasons to throw off the audience. Misdirect. Yeah. Well, it's just character motivation for why that guy, he holds like, because you saw he almost made a connection with the chimp when they were putting the fist together. So he has either some kind of reverence for creatures like that, or maybe he looks up to it as a deity of some sort. But you see, like, he gathers the crowd, and then... I I, I wasn't clear. Was it the horses specifically that he, like, offers as sacrifice, or did he yeah, feed exactly. the, the audience the whole time? No, he's feeding the horses. He Like, the whole okay. reason he has the audience there is because, you know, he wants them to see the show. Notice he's off by the audience and the horse is there to be released and pushed out and yeah. uh, thrown out. Because at the beginning, you hear like on the radio that people are going missing and that there's, I don't know, something about traffic going on. Yeah, I mean, well, look, it seems like people are definitely getting eaten by this thing prior to the whole, like, you know, Jupe's Ranch getting eaten up, you know? It's just mm -hmm. like they're so far and few between you wouldn't uh, necessarily see it. Um, yeah, I mean, the horses, you got to wonder, too, what... Um, I'm looking back to my notes from the character names. Uh, you you have to wonder what OJ thought this guy was doing with the horses because he thought there was a chance that he was going to get them back or see it or something. Like I've never heard of a businessman just like you know complete. I've never heard of a legitimate businessman just selling something without knowing what the end result is. You know. Yeah. Um, the, the fact is he thought his horses were still alive and kicking and he'd be able to buy them back. It's weird that he wouldn't ask any questions whatsoever when making this arrangement. Was it that or was this the first time he was doing business with this guy and that's why they were taking the tour of his set initially, remember? Well, no, because the reason they took the tour was because she had never dealt with this guy directly. OJ was like in the business for a while. They clearly had some dealings. The guy knew his father. Um, oh, okay. He made the whole statement about, oh, hey, I want to like discuss maybe buying back some of my horses at some point. So mm. it, it sounds like he's had a long running dealing with this guy. Okay. So this guy's been doing these alien shows and feeding the horses to this alien for the longest time. Um, indeterminate amount of time, but long enough that, you know, he would have made a name for himself that there would, should have been some questions asked. Yeah. By the way, did you notice how the guy, when he pulls them into that room where he has like the uh, dedicated showcase for the, the Gordy show, he has the shoe in a case? I did not pick up on that, but that's actually pretty clever detail. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, he holds that as like a memory of either this is what allowed me to survive or something strange that that he's fixated on. Yeah. I mean, it does sort of beg the question as to did he know exactly what this thing was? Did he – like how long was he pulling the scam for? Or how close did he actually get to it? Uh, why did it only attack him now? You know? It, like, obviously, yeah. the horse didn't go out, but it, it seems like it wasn't just a matter of him taunting the thing, right? Like, 
the thing was getting regular meals because of him. Like, why would he just? Yeah, I mean, aside it got from greedy. Reasons, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of implications there. I do like that they don't really explain what it is and like when it has that big reveal at the end where it kind of opens up and you can't really make sense of it. I like that design where it's like I, mm. I don't even understand what I'm looking at. I could barely describe it verbally. It's just something very alien and yet they never say that it is alien for all we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. These UFO things, these flying saucers could be some kind of ancient species native to earth and that's why they're always seen around and sometimes because you know when you see the lights in the sky in the ufo videos they're kind mm -hmm. of flying in formation maybe these things fly in formation as like you know like a flock or something they're, or they're animals something. of some yeah. sort yeah i mean look my assumption was oh it's probably not alien if like it, it, like if you really look at it there's nothing to suggest that it's from another planet you know and i, I think he went to pretty great lengths to make certain that you know, there was nothing tying it to being from outer space. It, it could very well be native to Earth. It's just because there's so few of this predator and because they're such effective killers, no one's ever actually gotten a picture of one. No one's ever gotten close enough to actually document it. Yeah. Um, so I like that detail. As for the end design, I don't think it really needed to be there. Like he was trying to create this sense of epicness, right? Like the sense of, oh, it's something greater than just a flying saucer, but... I don't know. Yeah. You don't really need that extra character sign. It's still intimidating enough when it's like spitting blood out on people and like, you know, eating in 40 people at once, you know? Yeah, I did think it was more intimidating as like the saucer shape. And, did, but when yeah. it opened up, it's like, what is that? Is that a, a butterfly or something? Like it looked more yeah. fascinating than scary. Yeah, exactly. Which is it, fine, it, I guess. It made me think of like Interstellar where it's like, oh, the plot here doesn't really do much for me. So here's some cool visuals. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that aspect of it I thought was unnecessary. Um, Build-up was okay, but at the same time, like, there's not really a twist there because everyone expected it to be an alien. Is the twist that it's not an alien or that it's something other than an alien? I don't know. I will say the only moment that legitimately freaked me out in this movie is when he's in the barn and the, uh, you know, uh, Jupe's kids are, like, in there chasing after him dressed in oh, alien costumes. Yeah. A few of the jump scares there got me a little bit. And that actually... So the literal fake th out That was you. a little suspenseful, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I knew it wasn't going to be anything because it was too soon. Most unrealistic moment of the entire film. He did not have a gun on him and he did not shoot them immediately. <laughs> you ever been to a farm where the farmer isn't, own, isn't armed? It's It doesn't happen, especially when you're in that remote of an area. Yeah. yeah. Well... Like I said, the part I did like the most was the concept of it because it's now it's like whenever they talk about UFOs, UAPs on all these shows, it's like now now I'm going to think, what if that's not a craft? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be some intelligent species flying around from some other place or time. What if it's just something alive? <laughs> that we oh, can't yeah. find. You think about how much shit there is in the ocean we haven't discovered. It, it stands to reason that there'd be some shit that would look alien to us. You know? Yeah, in the sky, right? Without actually being from another planet. You would think. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, other than that, some of the dialogue I thought was a bit uh, weird or unnecessary. Like I said, some of the characters just kind of talk and talk and talk, and then it's not really for any purpose. Um, but let's talk about the best scene in the film. Akira slide. The Akira motorcycle slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was but... well carried out, but it's also like, how can she do that? <laughs> Like, it's, it is this epic, like, it looks really good on film, but at the same time, like, oh, she's this, like, sort of chick who's never ridden a motorcycle before. How would she possibly be able to do a slide like that? Maybe she did it on a horse once. <laughs> a curious slide on a horse would look a lot more epic, okay? <laughs> I think somebody did that in some animation. Like, I saw a compilation of it. I think a horse might have been in there somewhere. Yeah. So now, the ending was the main guy was he actually standing there on the horse or did she just hallucinate him like he hallucinated his father that one time when he was like just kind of sitting in the barn and thinking no i i think he well like it's like the end of baby driver where um you know he's seeing his girlfriend at the end of the rainbow and it's like sort of meant to just be this epic shot but you don't know if it's real or not i i choose to think of it as just being a really cool ending shot that adds a good like end to the movie um doesn't necessarily matter if it's real or not but it's like it's realistic enough that i you know sure why not <laughs> yeah i think that's purposely left up in the air as if to if he actually survived but you know what she got her shot 
She did. She may have lost the house, probably all the horses, her brother. And the film's still out there, too. Like, I mean, th- that thing spits out any non-organic yeah. oh. material whole, so the film is still out there. Speaking of Halo voices, so that really, really deeper than Vin Diesel voice guy who who's like this... Um, yeah, the cinematographer, dude. Yeah, he's a cinematographer they hire to get a video of it, because whenever this thing floats over stuff, all the power goes out, so he has like this crankable camera, and he's like... Uh, or she says, you get, you're known for getting the, uh, the impossible shots of the impossible. So, and so they convince him to come over. And anyway, the thing I want to say about him is he does the voice of the prophet of truth in Halo 2. Mm. And I thought maybe I recognized it. There's this one line I recall. It's like from later in the game when, when you're walking through high charity, he says, uh, No enemy has ever withstood our might. The floods too shall fail. It's just like my favorite line that that character says, but um, yeah, so cool cast, decent movie, but uh, definitely not as good as Get Out. So the film is still out there, like The Ring. Yes, he, like he so he got footage on the on like the uh, the reel of the thing. He got a lot of it, but then he's like, you know what? That shot isn't good enough. The light's about no, to be perfect. I can like get a better shot. I can be more famous. <laughs> yeah. I can be more perfect. It's like actually a really dumb moment when you think about it. It's like he's waiting. He, he he says it's like about to be magic hour, so he goes after this thing when the lighting's perfect, but he knows he's gonna die doing it. Yeah, yeah. So he literally sacrifices his life despite the fact that he got a pretty good shot of the thing already. You know. Um, but it's established that it spits yeah. out anything that's inorganic. So somewhere that film reel will be around on the ground. And then it was put into a VHS and people watch it and they die seven days later. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could basically make another parallel to the whole like show business aspect of the movie. The uh, thing you were saying earlier, like, oh, he's an artist that cares so much about his art. He'd give up his life for it. Yeah. Or you even know, the TMZ guy is like, I need my camera. I need my. No. <laughs> yeah. So that's nope. Five stars, Angel. Five stars. Yeah, you want to talk about Halloween? Start using your keyboard again. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. To be clear, when I say let's talk about Halloween, I mean the new trilogy and the movie that no. just last month, no. not the holiday itself. We don't need to talk about the whole trilogy for this one. Yeah, well, I figured you'd want to bring up the first two at least. Um, you know what? I purposefully, I was considering going back and listening to our other two podcasts where we talked about the film just to like get on the same uh, train of thought. But I thought, you know what? Let me not do that. And then I'll go back and listen to all of them. And then I'll see like how my thoughts differed just from the passage of time. Ready for the movie of Corey and Friends? Mm-mm-mm. So... A lot of people are saying this one is bad because where's Michael? Where's Michael? I want to see Michael. You advertise the final showdown. That's what I came to see. What are you waiting for? No, I don't want to see this guy. Where's Michael? Now, I will say initially for like the first 45 minutes because they're just going into like what people in the town have been up to and then it's following this guy. So up to a certain point, I thought... All right, we get it. The town has either moved on or they're committing suicide and then this guy is miserable. Okay, I get it. You're setting up a bunch of people who will be killed eventually. And so I was bored like at 45 minutes and I said to the person I went to see it with, I said, you know what? I'm going to shut my eyes. This is shit. (laughs) Then that that was at the party scene. I'm like, oh God, now they're having a fucking party. And then he starts convulsing on the ground and I'm like, oh, is he dying? Is he dying from like PTSD or something? So I didn't shut my eyes, but then I got... When they got to the sewer scene where he encounters sewer dweller Michael, I thought, ah, now this is the connection they're making. And then when they proceeded with it, I was like, you know what? This is different. This is something else. I'm okay with that. I will say I think it's better than Kills. Um, Uh. I do like the character of Corey um, for the most part. You mean Arthur Fleck? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i guess he does sort of go through the same transformation i will say goes through like the whole transition from like normal happy dude to serial killer relatively quickly and i i, I guess to be fair it's like there's moments it, it's what like four years between the initial killing yeah. and um you know it, just everyone basically thinking of him, him Three, as a serial killer. it's been four okay. Well, regardless, it's been enough of a stretch of time that 
oh, he's probably had to live with this guilt for the past few years. Oh, we're talking about Corey's yeah. incident. Yeah, Corey, Corey, yeah, yeah, Corey. Yeah, yeah. it's three Which, years, yeah. Okay, so it was like, okay. Um, so regardless, it's been long enough that uh, he's had to deal with this guilt. He's had the entire town basically calling him a murderer. And, you know, despite the fact that he got off, he has to live with the fact that, you know, some kid is dead because of him. Some kid that, <laughs> let me just stress... Deserved to die was a fucking obnoxious brat. I would have pushed him down the stairs myself. <laughs> he didn't push down the stairs. He didn't go down the stairs. No, he, he like broke his way. neck, thrown off, whatever. It was he clearly was like, an accident, but it at was the same a time. <laughs> um, let me be clear. I do not advocate for killing children unless they're yes, fucking brats. <laughs> There's a throwaway line that the old guy under the bridge said to Corey after he came out when he said, uh, you know, I sometimes see people come in there, but I rarely ever see him let them out. Mm. Or I, mm. or you're the only one that's ever come out. Yeah. I thought he was going to say, like, you know, he takes people in there and then they come out. And I thought those were all the people that were in the beginning, like, after Corey's an- accident. Where, uh, like, people are, like, people like are, like, hanging. Converting people into killers or yeah, something. Yeah, I thought he was doing that. But, like, I told John last night, I thought the granddaughter, after the first 2018 Halloween was going to be the one to carry the evil. Cause they stared at each oh, other in the basement. Yeah, I implied that actually. I, uh, I thought she was going to go down that route in this movie. Yeah, actually, she, could have, she very well could have, if she stayed yeah. with him. Did you ever see Halloween four CJ? No, I just saw the first three originally. And so this new trilogy, the first you saw season of the witch. Maybe it wasn't three. I, I, I don't know. I, I did see the first <laughs> few of them. I might be losing track over. No, don't worry. Just the the timeline convention gets like super weird early on. The so, timeline makes yeah. no sense. At the end of the fourth one, uh, his niece, Jamie Lee, or whatever, Jamie Curtis. I don't know what her name Jamie is. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's not, ja- it's not <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. It's, it's Lori's daughter named mm. Jamie, and she's standing at the top in a clown costume staring down at everyone, and that's how like Halloween 4 ends. And I was like, oh! So they're doing that now with the granddaughter, but then they did it with Corey, and I'm like, I told John, there's a theory that she's pregnant with Corey's kid, and evil's gonna continue that way. Halloween reborn in three years, everything will be rebooted in ten years. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think they're gonna carry on without Michael Myers, and, like, you know, granted they They have the whole supernatural element... Let me just say, they have the whole supernatural element of, you know, they, they, these guys are clearly getting stronger and clearly reviving themselves after each kill, right? Like, he got, he got I think very explicitly made clear, yeah. right? He, the he kid's getting stronger. He, his eyesight got magically restored. His hand uh, basically healed itself. Uh, you know, it's like, um, he's clearly getting stronger after every subsequent kill. And they sort of make that clear in the last movie too, that Michael, the fact that he's survived this long is because he keeps killing and because he keeps getting powerful off of it. You know? Oh yeah. Geriatric patient, Michael in the sewer. Oh, I can't fight off this kid with my mask. My mask. Yeah. He's so super strong. Well, yeah, he was like, he is not the same Michael from kills. He is not. No, he got weaker after that, but it's also been like four years since he killed anybody at that point. Right. Or right, so, presumably, I'd, presumably. I'd like to think the original Michael died in the original Halloween and just transferred the evil into another body, put on the mask, and it's just been going that way ever since. Um, but anyway, a, with it's a, Corey, it's, it's like very clear that he's getting stronger as he's getting more bloodlust, and you know, I, I think it's very clear from just like some of the setup throughout the movie. That being said, like in that final showdown, yeah, Michael could have been built in a little bit more. It was a little bit anticlimactic, but whatever it served its purpose like they wanted to end the trilogy cleanly how else do you do that by ending this final feud between the two main characters but is it a few so like i mentioned to you guys earlier i watched the original today so like he's stalking lori throughout most of the movie in the original in Mm -hmm. halloween 2 we originally we find out that you know he's her she's his sister and that's why and then all the other halloween movies it kind of makes sense because lori is related to michael but in the new trilogy, no, she's not. That, yeah. yeah. So in 2018, he doesn't really go after Lori. Like, she's not his target. She, right. He just ends up there. And then in Halloween Kills, they're telling Lori, like, it's not all about you. He yeah, didn't but... come for you. You're not the target. Did you ever think that Michael's just a random killer? And well, then in this it's movie. It's sort of revealed that there's some fate aspect 
talked about it, but uh, and then yeah, this movie, ahead. they're like, "How dare you antagonize a mentally ill man? <laughs> you brought it upon us! How dare you!" <laughs> and then at the end, he still seeks her out. Like, keep continuity. Like, at least if well, it's he, he wasn't exactly like, seeking her out, he was seeking out Corey because through Corey, he was you know like when he transfers his power when he looks into his eyes does the penance stare he says i can utilize this i will imbue you with my ability to harness strength and through you who with a fresh body i will recover power to my own this is just what i see happening he probably like there's no thought process it's just the instinct of evil and this is what happens this is how it goes but He's going after Cory because once he kills Cory, he can harvest all the souls that he did and then put it back into himself. Or at least that's what I thought. Um, so I will say, I, I don't think the and stare was Lori meant happened to be, to be there. And she was unfinished business. I don't think the stare was meant to convey anything supernatural. I think that was mostly him just acknowledging that, oh, hey, this guy's killed before. He's got evil inside of him. I can nurture this. I can use him to wreak havoc. At this point, Michael Myers is essentially a embodiment of evil. He lives for nothing other than killing, you know? You like, mean he's the shape of evil. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the shape. Remember what she says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what uh, Lori says when she's writing down the, the thing? She says, evil can't be killed. It just changes shape. shape. Such a good name for like a, a monster villain. The yeah, shape. they never really call him the shape, though, right? Like, he's always no. They do. Only in the and, credit. I, I know he's addressed as a, like, he's officially billed as the shape, but... Um, no, Lori, I yeah. think she, like, name-drops that in the 2018 one. I think, mm. yeah. Mm. I sure. mean, that's still a lot of movies well, in between. Anyway, it's like, he's Michael Myers, first and foremost, is what I'm saying. Like, he's not... Like, you talk Halloween to anyone, random guy on the street, they're gonna call him Michael Myers. But here's the thing. The what is it about the identity specifically of Michael Myers that matters? The William Shatner mask. Like, no, I mean, like, the, the person in the mask. <laughs> what about his identity matters? The answer nothing. is nothing. He's just a generic Absolutely dude nothing. who happens to like to kill him. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it, it, it could be real Mike Myers under there, and it's just Mike Myers playing Michael Myers, and he's just like, turtle, turtle, turtle. <laughs> the turtle thing was Dana Carvey, wasn't it? Was it? I thought Mike Myers what? was in the master disguise. No, that was Dana Carvey. No, that's Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> it's the I, same I, era. I spaced out on a second what you meant by turtle, turtle, turtle. Um, are you not turtly enough for the turtle, turtle club? club? It, it might I will say, doing it. <laughs> I will say I did rewatch Master of Disguise a couple months ago. Still holds up. Like, if you grew up in the 2000s watching that movie, it's still, like, really one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yes. It's, yeah, if you're watching it with a fresh set of eyes, it's probably shit, but it's it holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get this right this time. The shape stalks Lori down, and right before he stabs her, he goes, Donkey! <laughs> <laughs> he goes, wait, is go. that All-Star by Smash Mouth? Oh, boy! <laughs> <laughs> my favorite song! <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, as I was saying, Michael Myers... Like, yeah, that's the name, that's what everyone's used to, but the identity itself, like, the person behind it isn't really what matters, so they could have logically continued it with Corey, whose name also is, like, alliterative, Corey Cunningham, and, Mm. yeah, his last name, I read about this, it's, like, aspects of his character are kind of like a callback to one of John Carpenter's other films. I forgot the name, but it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, so I thought that was, like, watching this thing to its love... To its logical conclusion, I figured that's what they were going to do, right? Set it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, again, I like the character. I like his sort of descent into evil, if you want to, like, simplify it by calling it that. Yeah, it's like, what if, like, you know, we've never had a distinct origin story of the Joker told, so mm. here's Joker. And now you, you've never really had a distinct origin story of Michael Myers told, unless you count the Rob yeah. Zombie remake. Nah, just yeah, let's not talk about that one. So now you have this and it's yeah. like, okay, I see you see the progression of how he goes from one to the other. It's not just like suddenly evil. It's like a series of events and then more events and then uh a key inciting incident and then well, I guess you could say the inciting incident was when the kid gets pushed down the stairs. There's also symbolism there like the opening of the movie or the beginning, you see him at the top of the stairs looking down. Opening the door to evil. <laughs> I guess. And he also talks about how he always wanted to climb the tower. There's like allusions to him being at a high point. And then at the end, 
he's dead at the bottom of stairs. A low point. <laughs> it's kind of in now, your face. Apparently, there was also supposed to be... CJ, I don't know if you actually saw it, but I, I'm pretty sure John did. Season of the Witch. So apparently, like, you know when Corey, like, see, he does the pennant stare, and then he seals the mask and all that, they're like, yeah, it's like the Season of the Witch mask. You put him on, and you become evil. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I, I gotta rewatch this. I'm almost sh- certain at this point that I haven't seen it. I, I um, wish they would have done something. Like, I know that's what John Carpenter originally wanted to do. Like, Halloween 3 was supposed to be a whole new series. Halloween 4 was not going to be Michael Myers. Halloween 5 was not going to be Michael Myers. I know he wanted to do something else, but fans were like, we want Michael Myers back. So, and they want him to do the same shit every time. So I thought they were going to go, I thought that's how this new one was going to go. They were going to throw in new aspects, like transferring evil, and they were going to just build off Michael Myers into a whole new franchise. But so, then they then they killed him and Corey. So a couple things I do want to bring up about the character and his whole progression, right? Um, first of all, do the parents just, like, I, they clearly still live in town, right? The parents of the kid he killed. So I guess they abandoned that house or something. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering why they would move out of that house and not move out of the town completely if they're like trying to run away. That's from what the I want to know about right? everybody in the town. Why is anyone still there? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like th- this place is clearly a murder hotspot. If you're looking for small town America, there's well, a million towns just they only the blame Lori. They're only blaming um, Lori for it. That's yeah, why. But yeah, but it's like well, they're the, not blaming Mike. The townspeople blame like, Lori. For the townspeople blame Lori for it. These guys in the moved out of their house. These she guys moved into the fucking woods to get away from them. Yeah, and now she's just like in town. Yeah, which, like, I'm trying again, to be happy. Is another sort of weird yeah, well, I, have, no. I have an alternate take on it. Like she says, like, I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying to move on. But I think in the back of she's her mind, she's like, let me just yeah, let me just put myself out in the open, and then he will mm-hmm. come back because I'm I'm here. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm vulnerable. Come get me. She says it multiple times. She's like, that's it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Second thing, um, why is the mother of the kitty kill just in this bar that's populated by college or high school kids? Uh, like Alcohol. I get that she wants to get drunk, and it's probably a small town with not too many bars in it, but it's like it's clearly not the environment for someone that age. You know, it's it's weird that that is the place of all I mean, the bartender is what's her name? Kyle Richards, yeah. So I mean, there's older people there. Yeah, she's an employee. Even Jamie Lee goes in there. Partying there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jamie Lee's definitely an alcoholic in this. Um, What else? What else? What else? I say the dad forgave Corey, which is the weirdest, like... Yeah. Well, the dad seemed like he knew it was an accident. You you know, you you can't blame him for everything. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's only been three years since their kid died right in front of them. Yeah, you're going to move out of the house. You don't want to wake up every morning and see the spot where your kid died. Yeah, yeah I mean, wanna... it makes sense, but it's never, like, explicitly conveyed, so, um, whatever. I, I, I guess I can look past that. That's not a big deal. So let's talk about how everyone in the town has become an asshole and, I, and that everyone that Corey killed had it coming. Oh, <laughs> oh they that's did. the other 100%. thing I was going to bring up, because it's not a perfect parallel to him becoming Michael Myers, because literally everyone he killed is someone who's wronged him. It's like, mm-hmm. he's not pure evil because he's just getting revenge, you know? I mean, he's going by his... First instinct. No, don't get me wrong. You shouldn't murder everyone who does you wrong. But and I'm not saying it's justified in any way. But he at least has a rationale for killing, as opposed to Michael, who just kills for the sake it's, of killing. I would say it's more like he has a direction. Whereas, like, yeah, true evil is pure chaos in every direction. This, like, Corey's still at the early stage where it's like he feels that that pull to the chaos, but he still has like enough of a presence of mind to have like a direction to it. Like he's it's he's still descending. And then it's like until the very end when it's like his full descent, which they could have ended it as. But as we saw, he was just harvested for power. And then Michael ended up having not much power. My theory is this. So the whole thing, they talk about evil. It's it's a disease. It's contagious. They say that multiple times. It's like it spreads like an infection. Whenever anger, rage, negative emotion is around you, it rubs off onto you. So what I think is that like, you know, when Michael's out on the town having the time of his life killing everybody, that fuels the town people's rage, and then that that's why you had that mob mentality thing and kills. Yeah, and kills, that's yeah. very clear. Does that explain why everyone was such an asshole in this movie? Maybe. Like, the entire town was an asshole. Like, in the first one, oh. they're all friendly. The second I mean, one, they're all mob. This one, they're like... 
people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't say the entire town was it because you only see very small parts of the town. But yeah, everyone the kid comes, er, everyone Corey comes in contact with is sort of an ass to him, which is sort of uncalled for. Even the granddaughter is pissed off all the time. She's like, "Fuck this town." The cops yeah. are all, like, "What?" I mean, yeah, but she's also got motivation for being pissed off. Like, she's Lori's grandkid. She has to deal with the stress of having no parents because they were murdered by this famous serial killer. Oh, like, I, I'm just My saying, parents there's a little more. Okay. Calm down, Batman. <laughs> well, it is traumatic. She basically saw them both die in front of her. Yeah, and the other parents watch your kid die in front of them, and you're like, why'd you move out of the house? No, I'm not. What, I, I'm not saying. Uh, I get the rationale. I know, you've been out of the whole that, week, like, move away from yeah, the whole, move yeah, out of town. I'm just saying, the logical conclusion there would be to completely leave Haddonfield behind in the dust. No, I'm just fucking with you, man. I'm just yeah. fucking with you. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. I, yeah. Yeah, anyway, where was I, where was I going? So, yeah. Uh, the whole town's pissed off because of Michael. The whole town gets pissed off. They all become enraged. They beat him up, and then he gets fueled from that rage, and then he, you know, gets back up. He kills all of them, and then... Since everybody's dead, and they're all like, oh my god, we lost everybody, and then they're all like suicidal, or they moved on, that's what depowers him. It's that there's not enough people feeling negative emotion for him to have power, so he just kind of decays. So then, why I think Lori's able to fight him is because she also feeds off of his evil, and then she gets some of the power and becomes supernatural. Because she, she talks about, I let the evil in, but I'm not going to let it ma- become the master of me. So she's like harnessing it, but controlling it somehow because she's the main character. I don't know. That's how she can fight him off. <laughs> I-, I thought it was just because Michael was like fucking 90 at this point. No, he's like barely 70. If you look at the timeline. All right. Well, I can fight off a 70 year old man, too. <laughs> I mean, she's also up there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, she is definitely a badass considering her age, you know? Um, yeah, she's Grambo. Let's talk yeah. about that scene, though, like stabbing him through the hand and like holding him down with the fridge. Like, Why didn't you fuck. just stab him in the head? Why does nobody stab him in the head? He slid his throat, though. It was the... It's true. Like, that should have killed him right off the bat, but it's like he kept going. Just to say when he pulled his hand head. out and it was like, ah. Mangled, yeah. I was like, there you go, Michael. Yeah. And then at the end when like, which is funny, they're like, let's tie him onto the roof of a car like a Christmas tree. And have everyone follow us to the uh, the junkyard. And then he goes crowd surfing. <laughs> and when she's standing over the, the meat grinder of all things, I thought she was either going to jump in after him like Alien 3 or that he was going to pull her in. No, I thought the do- granddaughter was like going to turn on her and just kill her after all this or something. Or, yeah, in like, front of everyone. Try to go with... Well, I, I I don't know. I I don't know what I was thinking, but it's like the way they shot it. It looked like, oh, the granddaughter was off to the side. No one was going to see her pull the lever. And she was right on top of the meat grinder. And there wasn't really a platform there. So it, I, I don't know. My mind just jumped to that spot for whatever reason. She wouldn't even be yeah. there, though, if Jamie Lee had, I mean, if Lori didn't call ahead for that suicide. Why like, did she do yeah. that? Why did she, she actually she, call? I don't know. Like, what? Did she know Corey was going to kill she, himself in the end? No, I, I figured she knew Corey was in the house at that point. Like, she's got some instincts about these sort of things at the point. But it point. saved so her, so, like, it got her granddaughter to come back and everything. Well, look, she knew Corey was in the house at that point. She probably called in the suicide to make him, like, let his guard down yeah, and make him that, was, that she was actually going to end it. And at the same time, she was also phoning for help. So people knew that she would be there or people knew that there was a death there. People would come. People would see the fight. More help would come. They'd fight it off together. He killed himself. I, I'm saying there is some logic to why she did it. It's not. He killed like, himself. The shotgun. The multiple fucking shots I put in his chest from a distance. Yeah, he killed himself. What was on his shoulder? Well, no, no she I was mean, playing the like, suicide for herself to make it sound like. Yeah, she blew know. the pumpkin instead. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like yeah. after she actually killed Corey, if she had to, and the cops show up, she's like, "Oh no, sorry, it wasn't a suicide." Call the police. Uh, it's not for me. Yeah, why does she pull the knife out to look more guilty? I just leave the knife in there. What are you doing? Hmm. I thought maybe Drama. she probably does did actually want to die. Like when Michael grabs her, she's like, "Do it, do it." 
do it. You get the flashbacks. Look, to all yeah, the it's Halloween. like at this point, it's it sort of implied that our whole reason for living is just to fight off Michael. You know, it's like that's sort of the overarching theme of these three movies. And then yeah. Yeah, she's an ends, author. ends is her trying to get over that and, you know, move past Michael. And, you know, that's what the whole epilogue to the thing is, even though the mask is still there. She still uh, has the mask. Michael and you is know still what happens. Part of her life. She can never fully get away from that trauma. But, you know, well, she's you know moving what? on the best she can. I will give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's keeping it as like a trophy to say, I beat this. I moved on from it. I defeated it. The greatest challenge to my life. I, I conquered it and I moved past it. But you know what's going to happen? The baby's going to be be born. It's going to turn six. It's going to kill somebody. It's going to come back for that goddamn mask. Look, it's like there have been 13 movies in this franchise. Nothing's off the table, but, you know. Except for uh, keeping one continuity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's possible that they could do another reboot in like 20 years with like the fully grown child of uh, Corey and uh, I forget what Laura's daughter's name is. Allison. 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 Yeah. Allison. Allison. You know, I never liked her really. And the whole like romance they had going on. First of all, I felt that that was kind of uh, fast. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, they rushed a lot into it. Like I get the connection is they both hate the town. But then I'm like, is this like a Twilight thing? Where she, like, has a romance with the monster of the film. Yeah. Well, I, I got the sense that she's, like, attracted to that quality in the same way her grandmother sort of was. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, like her grandmother I don't was? Know. I, I, who, who did well, Jamie Lee you know, fuck, it's implied by that, the way? Mm, we don't know. Yeah, I was wondering that, too, actually. They never really explained. Like, did she just have a one-off thing? Or, like, did she was she married? Did she have a boyfriend at some point? Like, You keep saying Jamie Lee, and I get confused because that's the niece. But yeah. <laughs> you mean Lori. Lori. I don't yeah. even like to say Lori because it's, like, it's just a Jamie Lee Curtis at this point. That's mm -hmm. all she's known for. Yeah, I mean, it, it's implied that she had some attraction to Michael, especially in this one. They're suggesting no. that. Oh, Michael was not like, the father. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not saying he's the father. I'm saying it's implied No, that was that... the bimbo who suggested that. The, the nurse bimbo. Hmm. She's like, oh my goodness, I wonder if they had a romance and that's why she's so fixated. Right? She said yeah, something like that. Then Corey said later on in the movie, like, to Jamie Lee Curtis, that, uh, <laughs> um, you know, what would have happened if you had just looked into his eyes the way she looks into mine? What if you had actually fallen for him? Or whatever. Or if that's she your she brother! <laughs> Well, not in this continuity. Only in the continuity. Where is it matters. going with this? Yeah, so I got I got the sense that um, you know, the attraction did come on really quickly. Uh, I'm not necessarily against that. Like, you know, it's a two hour movie. You can only cram so much in there. But yeah, it could have been paced better. Um, I yeah, I got the sense that she mostly just saw him as similar to herself or in a similar circumstance where you are basically famous in this town for being a freak. You know, so. You, you sort of get that semblance of it. I, I The chemistry between them makes sense to me. But yeah, it gets really fast and heavy from them meeting, dating, and, you know, essentially deciding to leave town together. It it, it, it feels like it's happening literally within the span of a week, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it could have been carried out better. It's very fast. I wish it was the kid that was in the first one, that, the black kid, that was like, hilarious he was at the the junkyard when they were gathering right like i see one yeah. kid alone who i i'm guessing was him otherwise it's just a random kid if there was some connection to the previous movies and not just a brand new character brought in and introduced in this one maybe but it was it, i just didn't feel connection to Corey. i liked what they were going for but then they killed I, him yeah so, yeah, I mean, I really like the character, but there could have been a lot more buildup. The fact that it was the end of the three trilogy arc, or yeah. the end of a trilogy, the end of a three movie arc, they could have definitely introduced him in an earlier film, fleshed out the character a little more, and had it been a little more impactful. Like, his descent could have taken a lot longer than it actually did. Doing the final film was the mistake. Yes. Well, I kind of see it as this way. They wanted to introduce a way for the franchise to continue on, but not necessarily always be tied to the character of Michael Myers. Like, you can have the shape, but it doesn't have to be Michael. Now they introduced sure. how it could happen. But I guess they thought, or maybe, I don't know if it was the studio or whatever, or somebody at some point said, no, you can't just have some random guy. Everybody will hate that. And everybody hates, or not everybody, but a lot of people That's hate the new guy, but at least the concept. Halloween is, 3 and 4. The concept is still there, though, now. So it could can logically continue with saying the shape of evil can re-manifest in somebody else. It the will never is, go well. Sorry, yeah. Steve, you go. 
Uh, okay, so I was just going to say, the thing is, there's so much setup in this movie for, like, these potential other endings. And it seems like they probably were writing the script and thought, oh, hey, we're going to end it so that this kid is the new Michael Myers. Or, oh, hey, these two actually do run off together after he's gotten away with killing a bunch of people mm. and she's cool with it. Or, oh, hey, she decides to join him and massacre a lot of people. <laughs> All of those potential plot lines could have happened based on the initial setup of the movie. And, you know, they go for what I would say is... You know, the right ending for the end of a trilogy, or, but not the right ending for a franchise. Or, you know, or, for yeah. He gets away with the granddaughter. They go live in another town, and being away from the town, they become normal again, and everything is fine. And then Laurie, thinking about it, instead of shooting herself, she puts on the mask and go chases after them and stalks uh, them. <laughs> uh, uh. A new town, same old enemies. I wish they would have just called him the boogeyman in this one. I like the shape. Yeah. I don't know. I guess Boogeyman is a little more specific since they reference him uh, as being the Boogeyman for a little bit. Um, I don't know. The shape. I, I, I like the name, the shape, but it's sort of generic. It's like I, something I, I you whisper. I really see it applying to. The shape. The shape of yeah. what? The shape of. Shape of water. William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. And William Shatner wishes he was in Michael Myers' shape. He is. That's his face. That is his face. I meant, you know, tall. And then... Oh, oh, in his shape. Yes, yes. Hmm. <laughs> okay, got anything else to add? That's the end. Halloween end. It all ends now. Please don't do another Halloween resurrection. No, reborn or rebirth. Uh, it's going to be 20 years and they're going to be releasing three more of them. Don't do Halloween 3000, please. <laughs> oh my. Or Halloween in space. Halloween X. Yeah, okay. Uh, Halloween in Manhattan. Let's see... Uh, not too much else to say, so, yeah, I mean, it's if you spooky. reached the end of this thing, happy Halloween, assuming you're listening to this on Halloween, and we're releasing it on Halloween morning, so it's possible you could be listening to it well after. Um, regardless of when you're listening to this, thanks for listening, thanks for sticking around with us this long. Uh, Sorry for my voice. If you did stick around this long, and it's your first time checking us out, I'm uh, sick. you know, you probably get what our whole spiel is by this point, if not, there's a bunch of back episodes. Um... Yeah, all of our stuff's on utterlynonsense.com. Ape Music, let's have it. Nope.